What's good, everybody, man? Welcome to the Talking Sports with Manny YouTube channel. It's Victory Monday, man. Welcome to another episode of the Back Row Redskins Show podcast. If you guys are not subscribed to this podcast, go on to Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast, and make sure that you uh, subscribe to the Back Row Redskins Show. So we're going to talk Washington football. The football team, they defeat the Atlanta Falcons 34-30. to and uh, it, this game was weird. It was weird. And I, look, I'm going to tell you guys this. I was not excited. I was not excited about this game all through. Like, if you guys follow me on Twitter and you guys see my tweets, my tweets were not pleasant, man, because honestly, I thought that we've lost this game. When, when we got down, I think it was like 30 to 22, I was like, you know what, man? All hope was gone. We've lost this game. And Yes, we won the game. Yes, we're going to give credit to Taylor Heineke. We're going to give credit to uh, Terry McLaurin. We're going to give credit to J.D. McKissick and Gibson and the rest of these players that really stepped up for us. But in terms of the defense, defense was bad. So it's not like I'm going to give credit to the defense. Yes, this is, this is a Victory Monday podcast. Like, we're excited, right? We're excited to have this victory. But at the same time, the team was just so bad. I'm going to pull up some notes while I do. Uh, Terry McLaurin is he's starting to inch up into that category of being an elite wide receiver in the NFL. I understand we play the Atlanta Falcons, I understand that the Falcons are not a, a good team, but at the same time, you're supposed to dominate the teams that are not good or the teams that are on the same level, and that's what Terry has been doing. Terry played really well versus the Giants, we won that game. Terry won, uh, played very well versus the Falcons, and then we win this game. I've always said you guys can go back and play the tape. If you give Terry McLaurin 15 targets, your chances of winning a game skyrockets. This was a different kind of game. The last game, it was where Terry needed a lot of targets. He caught like, what, 11 catches versus the Giants to where he was kind of like, you know, moving the ball, moving the chains. It was a different kind of game. This game, Terry had six receptions for, what was it, over 100 yards. I'm going to pull up the like the exact uh, numbers in a minute, but – when you're getting this kind of production from Terry, that means he was able to get some longer uh, plays, some longer receiving touchdowns and things of that nature. So I'm loving what I'm seeing out of Terry. <clears throat> He's starting to reach this level of uh, a level of play to where it's elite, almost elite. If it's not elite, then it's almost elite. So I'm going to pull up the numbers. Give me one second. Sometimes I use... ESPN, sometimes I use um, NFL.com. Then also got some other breaking news to talk about the Washington football team. There's just a lot going on, but we're not going to focus too much on the negative. We're going to focus on the positives. Now, Terry had 13 targets, okay? He had 123 yards off of six receptions, meaning he was averaging 20.5 per reception. Look. Terry was tearing it up, man. He couldn't, they could not guard him. You know what I'm saying? It didn't matter what corner you had in the game. Granted, there was there were some throws that Taylor Heineke threw that Terry literally bailed him out. Taylor Heineke should have had realistically three interceptions, but we're not gonna talk about the negatives of the offense today. We're gonna talk about the negatives of the defense. You got to give all the credit. All the accolades to this offense. So back to Terry, six receptions, 123 yards, two touchdowns, 13 targets. So my number 
of targets for Terry each game if you want a chance to win. It's 15. But it seemed like 13 was more than enough. The reason I say 15 for Terry is that he's just a phenomenal talent. And if you can put the ball within reach, those 50-50 balls, Terry's your guy. He's going to catch those. You know what I'm saying? So uh, six out of 13 is pretty awesome. That's like, what, almost 50%. That's why I say you got to throw 15 to him. He's going to come down with at least half of that. Okay? And the only reason why he didn't have more receptions was because, like I said, some of the throws were a little bit off. So let's take a look at Taylor Heineke. Threw the ball 33 times, completed 23 of those passes. 290 yards passing, three touchdowns. Magnificent. He was sacked one time. He was able to read the field and make a play. I know the coaches were, were you know, working with him. They told him, hey, we want you to be a guy who's able to stick around in the pocket just a little bit longer to assess the field. The only knock that I have against uh, Taylor Heineke is that his arm strength, his arm strength is not the strongest. What he lacks for in talent, he lacks, he, he gains or he has with heart. He has that moxie. He has that swag. He just has something special about him. He reminds me of a Doug Flutie. I don't know if you guys remember Doug Flutie when he played. He has that Doug Flutie type magic. You hear Taylor Heineke, the magician, Taylor Heineke, Houdini, and this and that. He does have that. He does have that elusiveness. He has uh, uh, um, that swag to where he kind of runs around and buys just enough time to make that play. Because if your arm strength is not as strong, because there were times when He'll read the field, but he does not read the field rather quickly. So a lot of his passes sometimes come off late, and that's why, you know, Terry didn't have a lot of receptions. But Taylor Heineke is accurate for the most part. It's just that sometimes the ball gets there slow, or he doesn't read the field as fast as he can. And because the arm strength is not as strong like as guys like, you know, Patrick Mahomes and some of these other quarterbacks in the league that just have elite arm shift talent like for example Colin Murray those guys you know they can read the field late they can be slow on their reads and still be able to get the ball out there in record time so like I said what he lacks for in uh talent he gains for he has it in heart so Taylor he had a great game uh he led us on his second career game winning drive those are two now Two now game-winning drops with the Giants game, now the Falcons game. Taylor Heineke, man, look, I would be more excited than I am now, but like, like I said, I was not all the way excited throughout this whole game. If you if you followed my tweets, you'll say, man, is Manny really a Washington football fan? I was really mad about, mad about this game. I will turn it off. I'll turn it back on. I'm watching Red Zone. I'm focused on fantasy football. But then Red Zone, they're funny because – Red zone does not give respect to the Washington football team. And I mean, would you give respect to the Washington football team? Right now, they are a mediocre team. When they get into the red zone, red zone doesn't even, NFL red zone don't even switch the game to the football team game. So if you're watching the game, <clears throat> living in Nashville, Tennessee, I have to watch the game through a stream from my buddy. So I'm able to stream the games through him. Um, but at the same time, man, I would flip that game off you know, watch Red Zone because, you know, being a Washington football fan, it can be very stressful. And I know a lot of you guys that are listening right now can attest to that. But 
we go ahead and we dissect the next best guy. So we talked about Terry McLaurin. We talked about uh, Taylor Heineke. Now we're going to talk about J.D. McKissick. J.D. McKissick was phenomenal. Every time I count J.D. McKissick out, he just does J.D. McKissick type things. We were, I mean, this game, that game winning drive, that last touchdown where Taylor Heineke goes to the left and throws it across his body, or throws it across the field to the right. J.D. McKissick gets the ball, runs, and just dives into the end zone. And I'm glad that he did because if he didn't, that means we are chancing this game on the legs of Dustin Hopkins, who missed two extra points, which put us in a situation to where now we got to go for two to fix the mess that he made. So, you know, we went for two, I think, a couple times in the game and didn't get it. Um, can't even remember. All I know is that those two extra points really hurt. Because when you look at the score, you're like, we scored touchdowns, right? Did we really score touchdowns? And being somebody like me who's going back and forth, watching the game turn it off, watching the game turn it off, the score was really, really, really funny. But J.D. McKissick, five receptions, 44 receiving yards, and a touchdown. J.D. McKissick also had that connection with Taylor Heineke in that Giants game. So it seems like when the game is on the line, obviously you have Terry McLaurin, but then you also have J.D. McKissick. And it seems like the two favorite targets for Taylor Heineke is number one, Terry McLaurin, and number two is J.D. McKissick. So if you play fantasy football, you want to go ahead and grab these two guys because these two guys are going to command all the targets from Taylor Heineke. So when you look at the target breakdown for Taylor Heineke this game, you had Terry who had 13. You have J.D. McKissick who had five. He caught all five of his. I mean, it's mainly dump-offs, but J.D. McKissick was able to get – I mean, this guy was getting first downs. There was one play they threw it to him, and he, like, he just spun his body like the other way and got the first down. So J.D. McKissick has been very, very reliable for a team who has lost – Logan Thomas. It seems like Logan Thomas is going to be out probably uh, – he's probably week to week, but my guess is probably maybe two to three weeks. That means more targets down the middle will have to go to guys like Adam Humphreys, J.D. McKissick. We also lost Dayami Brown, who had one catch for 19 yards. But if you look at this game, Adam Humphreys had a 19-yard reception. Deami Brown, 19-yard reception. So it seemed like we had a lot of big plays. Like, in the NFL, you consider anything 20 yards or more big plays. So let's just go ahead and consider these two 19-yard uh, catches big plays. I mean, DeAndre Carter, he had a clutch catch for us. And I'm going to get to DeAndre Carter in a minute. He had a 24-yard reception. J.D. McKissick had a long of 30. Terry McLaurin had multiple 20-yard uh, receptions or more. So big play is something that I love to see out of the offense, something I want to see more of from the offense. A guy that kind of disappointed me but made a good play today was uh, Ricky Seals-Jones. It was a catch that he made. Sideswipe the guy, was able to gain the first down. So I want to see more out of Ricky Seals-Jones. There was a couple uh, uh, targets his way um, that he dropped. I mean, he had four targets, so probably the, like the two drops that he had was probably the ones that he should have caught, but those were difficult uh, catches to make. We're going to need a lot of Ricky Seals-Jones down the stretch. Ron Rivera revealed today that, hey, um, Simmons Reyes is going to be active the next game. John Bates is most likely going to start. Um, 
but then you also have Ricky Seals Jones, who's that pass uh, catching guy, and then John Bates is more of the block of that block guy. I'm going to talk about uh, John Bates in a minute because John Bates had a play in this game that made a huge impact. So sometimes it's not all about uh, uh, catching touchdowns or playing offensive snaps. Sometimes you can make an impact just being on the field. And John Bates made a huge impact for the football team today. We talk about Curtis Samuel. He was on the snap count. Um, he didn't play a lot of snaps. Uh, they had him on, a, I believe it was 25 uh, uh, snaps. Um, but with those snaps, he, he was able to do some good things for us. He was able to convert on that fourth and five play for the football team. He had four receptions, 19 yards. But I, I'm telling you, next week, you're going to see a lot of Curtis Samuel. You're going to see a lot of guys who are capable of catching passes across the middle. That means a lot of J.D. McKissick, a lot of Curtis Samuel, um, a lot of Adam Humphreys. All these different guys are going to be interchangeable, including a Antonio Gibson. Let's go ahead and get to Antonio Gibson next. Antonio Gibson had 14 carries for uh, 63 yards. Now, he continues to have over, uh, four, uh, over four yards per carry on average, which is good. This particular game, he had 4.5. So that's good. Uh, Taylor Heineke ran the ball effectively as well. Five rushes for 43 yards, and we had 122 as a team collectively. Patterson had two carries, but couldn't really do much with it. But Patterson sure was able to get a first down for us. I think it was a, a one a one catch for 11 yards. So Patterson was used effectively. Um, I think he gets more touches. Um with Antonio Gibson's injury, I have not seen a report on if he's going to miss next week's game versus the Saints. I don't know what's going to happen with Antonio Gibson, but you're going to see a heavy dose of J.D. McKissick and Patterson. Maybe we call up one of the guys from the practice squad to just have three running backs for Sunday versus the Saints in case Antonio Gibson cannot go. But as more news come out, I'll be able to let you guys know. Now, Gibson did have uh, a touchdown. So Gibson had a good game. You can't, I mean, based off of how many times we ran the ball, it was 14 times to Antonio Gibson, seven to J.D. McKissick, five Taylor Heineke, you know, improvising, and two to Jared Patterson. So we ran the ball 28 times, and we passed the ball 33 times. This is, a, this is as about – this was balanced. If we're talking about balance in terms of play calling – 28 uh, runs to 33 passes, that's balance from Scott Turner, something that we haven't seen. But, but again, we want to see Gibson with 20 carries. I think that's the number that we all as fans are logging for, we're praying for. We just want to see Gibson run the ball more. We want to see Gibson be more of a factor in the run game. Yes, Gibson did get some touches in the passing game. Let me look at the numbers. He had two targets, caught two, two receptions for 12 yards. So, yes, he is being involved in the pass game, but we want to see him more so as a runner, more so as a running back. Uh, pass protection was pretty good uh, from the running backs this game. So that's something to look and something to build upon moving forward. Now, eventually, you guys know that we had to get to this point. We had to talk about the defense. And the defense was terrible once again. Matt Ryan being a guy that's not mobile, being a guy that can't move, being referred to a statue by many. The thing with Matt Ryan is that you couldn't get to him. 
And when you did get to him, you made boneheaded plays. We're going to look, I'm going to give it to you guys as how can I put this into words? The defense is just straight trash right now. Okay. Jack Del Rio has not been good this season as a coach, but then his players hasn't been good either. So you guys let me know in the comment section for those of you guys that are watching on YouTube. Is it a Jack Del Rio problem or is it a personnel problem? Now, Holcomb, God bless his heart. He was out there flying around trying to make plays. He did have a nice tackle for loss. He had nine tackles, but the box score doesn't always really tell what happened. Landon Collins had a good game on the box score, <laughs> you know, had eight tackles, but tackles are not everything. You know why? Somebody has to tackle. So you can't go off the box score and say, oh, now if you're playing in the IDP fantasy league, yes, tackles are good. But for those that watch the game, you know the true story. Jonathan Allen was decent, had a nice tackle for loss, um, had eight tackles, actually was second on the team in tackles. And when you're seeing that out of your defensive tackle, it's like it's kind of worrisome. It's like your deep tackle is second on the team in tackles. Like, what does that tell you? And then the Falcons didn't really run the ball. Like, they, they – they ran the ball. They weren't effective. Okay, I'll put it like that. They ran the ball. They weren't effective. Mike Davis had 13 carries for 14 yards. So that's probably a lot of Jonathan Allen tackling him there. Um, Wayne Gallman had six carries for 26 yards. Like, I, to be honest, I didn't even know who was running the ball for these guys. They more so killed us in the passing game. Matt Ryan, 283 yards passing, four touchdowns. A lot of his passes were like dump offs and screens to these running backs. Cordero Patterson. This was the Cordero Patterson game. What is Cordero Patterson? Is he a wide receiver? Is he a running back? Either way it goes, Cordero Patterson had him a game. Cordero Patterson had five receptions, 82 yards, and three touchdowns. It was a busted play. Who's to blame? Who is to blame on these busted plays? The secondary is trash. The defensive line is trash. Let me go ahead and get back to the defensive line before I'm all over the place because this is about the part of the – podcast and I just rant and go crazy and possibly don't make sense okay but Chase Young something is wrong with Chase Young and I don't know what it is he has something going on in his mind to where he's he can't effectively play the game of football we all know what play I'm about to talk about next he had a chance to wrap up Matt Ryan and tackle him and and, and collect a sack he decides to kind of sideswipe. It, 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 it almost seemed like he was going for the strip sack, kind of missed, and then hit Matt Ryan on the face in his helmet, and then they call a roughing the passer. Granted that when he did run into Matt Ryan, he took a knee. So, number one, that was either a sack or when, he, or, or when Matt Ryan threw it, it was an interception by Bobby McCain. So, not only did we not get the interception, we didn't get the sack. ATL drives down and scores on a play that we're supposed to stop these guys on third down to get off the field. We were terrible on third downs. I don't even know the exact number, but it was bad. Like To be honest, whenever that the defense was on the field, those were the times that I kind of flipped the channel or turned off the game or focused more on red zone or focused more on fantasy football because the defense is a product that's not worth watching right now. The defense is a product that's, to be honest, 
It's ultra trash. It's ultra garbage. There is nobody on that defense that I that I would say, hey, you, you did well. The defense is a collective unit. Yes, Montez Sweat had one sack. Okay. Outside of that, it was nothing else. Also, Cordero Patterson broke like what? How many tackles to get into the end zone one time? Mike Davis scored. I mean, it was terrible. When you look at this game and you and you really assess what happened, we could not stop these guys out the backfield. There was busted plays because Cordero Patterson grew up as a wide receiver. He has wide receiver traits. He might not be the best wide receiver, but he was able to produce for these guys. I don't know about you guys, but Cordero Patterson seems like a guy that's like just so tall. I think he's like roughly about six feet tall. So when you assess this whole game, there was nothing special that the Falcons did offensively. It was all about what did the football team not do on the defensive side of the ball. And that's what destroyed this football team. But let's go ahead and get into an area of the game that we never do well in, but we actually did spectacular in this time. And this area happens to be special teams. DeAndre Carter ran a 101-yard kickoff return. And I was amazed. The last time we had a kickoff return, I believe it was, I want to say Jamison Crowder, but I'm wrong, is Steven Sims Jr. And it might have been a punt return. But either way it goes, to have a kickoff return after these guys score and you get the ball, to go 101 yards, amazing. Amazing. So DeAndre Carter, <laughs> a guy that everybody kind of criticized. Is he going to make the team? Is he not going to make the team? What's his role? What does he offer as a wide receiver? Why is it that we're bringing in this guy that 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 is subpar when it comes to returning kicks? This, these were some of the things that I was hearing from tons and tons of people. So DeAndre Carter, not only did he have a big momentum swing in play, he also had a momentum swing and play on the offensive side of the ball when he came in and caught that, what was it, 24-yard catch that was just so clutch. So he's becoming a weapon for us. Maybe he's a guy that we can get more so into the game. He's a he's one of those Scott Turner-type guys in terms of guys like the McKissicks of the world and the, and the Gibsons of the world, like guys that he can use out there. I will not be surprised if you see some end-arounds to DeAndre Carter. Next game, I'm telling you, he's going to be a guy that they're going to get involved more so uh, as a gadget play or, a, uh, you know, end around or screen even. Um, they want to get him the ball in his hands because now you're seeing that, hey, with the ball in his hands, he can do some things. So moving forward, we'll see if DeAndre Carter gets more burned. Now, obviously, losing Dayami Brown definitely opens up more snaps, but then you gain back Curtis Samuel. But Curtis Samuel could be used in the backfield. So what does that say about um, about J.D. McKissick? But it's a good problem to have. I never imagined, not in my wildest dreams, that the Washington football team's offense will be the strength of this team and the defense would be the weakness. Not only is it the weakness, is this defense might be one of the worst of all time. I saw um, something that John Kine pulled up today. I'm going to try to pull it up while I talk. Um, he was showing some of the defenses that are currently in the NFL that are on the same level or worse when it comes to um, getting off the field on third downs. And you guys will be surprised what names are on this list. But then again, it doesn't matter. It's all about, about the football team, right? But I still feel that 
that this was very instrumental to kind of assessing where we are as a team or kind of you can kind of compare. OK, now. John Cobb says Washington has forced a three and out 19 percent of its opponents drives this season. And that's 28th. We are 28th in the NFL. So you're telling me that we are better than four teams. You would think that we are dead last. Right. So it says last year we were um, it was 37.2 percent making a second. We were second in the NFL last year <clears throat> on third downs, believe it or not. This year, we're just so bad. We went from second on third downs to 28th. And obviously, we're facing some pretty good quarterbacks, but the defense has just been so bad. Like I said, just some little technical things. The sack that we finally got this game was a coordination sack. If you go, if you guys go back and watch the tape, that was a sack where Deron Payne and Montez Sweat were able to coordinate on this sack, almost kind of like a like a uh, like a uh, pick and roll type thing. If you you know follow basketball or if you played basketball, so there needs to be more coordination sacks. There need to be sacks where people have to be lined up correctly. You have to know when to blitz, when not to blitz. There's certain things that you can do to help this defense that's already so bad, and then to add salt upon injury with all these injuries that we acquired Sunday. So back to this stat by John Kine. He says that the four teams that are worse or the first the, the four teams that are worse than the football team is you have the L.A. Chargers. The L.A. Chargers are worse. Can you believe that? But they have a quarterback that can kind of fix some of those messes. Right. You have the Chiefs. We know the Chiefs are terrible. The Chiefs are ultra trash defensively, especially this season. But guess what? They have a quarterback that covers a lot of their mess. I'm going somewhere with this. You have the L.A. Rams, who are also terrible. But guess what? They have a quarterback in Matthew Stafford that's playing like a legit MVP-type quarterback. Then last but not least, you have the Vegas Raiders, who are also <laughs> worse. But then guess what? They have Derek Carr, who's also playing MVP-level type football. So out of the four teams that are terrible on third downs, the difference between those teams and the football team is that those guys have legit franchise quarterbacks. Now, Taylor Heineke's doing the best that he can. And look, I didn't see this kind of play coming into the season. I mean, we saw a little little uh, things here and there of what he has done last year in the limited play. But this year, I really didn't even know what to expect out of Taylor Heineke. And look, I'll say that he's doing great, but you don't always want to put the ball in his hands to win us games. Eventually, he might have a bad game or two, and fans are going to say, oh, he's terrible. He's just... Taylor Heineke has been a, a, a great addition to the team. And, and, and you say, well, Taylor Heineke this, Taylor Heineke that. Look at the Broncos. Teddy Bridgewater goes down. They go to Drew Locke, a guy that a lot of you Washington football fans wanted on this team. A lot of you guys wanted us to draft him. He's not an NFL quarterback, at least right now. Drew Locke looked terrible. Here's Taylor Heineke, who was our backup quarterback, looks better than a lot of the backup quarterbacks in the NFL. That's all I'm saying. 
I'm not saying that Taylor Heineke is better than a lot of the backup quarterbacks because some of these backup quarterbacks are rookies, right? We saw Trey Lance come into the game and take over for Jimmy Garoppolo and played decent. You know, we saw Justin Fields in his first start. looked terrible. Second start, yes, you played the Lions. He looked better. So what I'm saying is to be where we are with our quarterback situation, I think that we're doing okay. But what I'm saying is that we're not going to depend on this offense to win us every game because because there's a difference between Taylor Heineke and Justin Herbert. There's a difference between Taylor Heineke and Patrick Mahomes or Matthew Stafford, a guy that a lot of us wanted, Derek Carr, a guy that I wanted, you know. So there's a difference. What I'm saying is the defense needs to improve. Next week we're going to be playing the uh, New Orleans Saints. The Saints are – I won't say that they are elite offensively, but guess what? They got some elite weapons. They got some weapons. And James Winston, say what you want to say about eating the W and the funny, goofy uh, uh, workouts and stuff like that. He has a cannon of an arm, and he can get that ball down to his receivers. And you saw, like, (laughs) I got to laugh because ATL, we didn't respect them. I didn't respect them. Uh, they played a lot better. They are a lot better than what their record says. I feel like they're on that same level. ATL, Washington, Giants, they're all on that same level type play. Now, the Saints, some weeks they look elite. Some weeks they look mediocre. So I don't know what to expect, but I am going to be doing a show Wednesday night, 930 Central, 1030 Eastern Time, previewing that game. But I wanted to come on here and I wanted to talk about the football team. So to recap, Gibson, great game. Heineke, great game. Terry McLaurin, great game. J.D. McKissick, great game. DeAndre Carter, great game. Those are the five guys that really carried this team. Now, I did say that John Bates did something well. If you go back and look at the tape on that 101 kickoff return, you will see John Bates, like I'm talking about, lay somebody out. I'm talking about a magnificent block that opened it up for DeAndre Carter to go ahead and run that touchdown. Because I was like, I was thinking to myself, is that Simmons Reyes? Like when I saw it live for the first time, I said, is that Simmons Reyes? But I remember Reyes has been, you know, inactive. He's been inactive in so many games. So, man, I'm excited for this game Uh, that's coming up. Saints, um, I don't know what to expect. Usually I'm excited until I'm watching the game. So hopefully I can keep my cool. Hopefully we come out with a win. After um, eight games, I had a record prediction in my head, but I'm not going to say it. Uh, it's no, I'm not going to give this team more credit than what they deserve. It's pretty much what I'm saying. So we have to continue to rack up wins because these last five games of the season is going to determine whether we, we make the playoffs or not. And as of right now, the Dallas Cowboys are the team to beat in the NFC East. The Eagles, you can argue, are better than the football team. You can argue that the Giants, although we beat, although we beat them, are better than the Washington football team, especially if the football team loses to the Saints. What does that tell you? That means that they were a Dustin Hopkins field goal miss away from, you know, beating the football teams. But, hey. Things happen. Um, I'm excited for this game. Like I said, uh, this is my time. Um, I will see you guys on the next episode. Please subscribe. Please share. If you're listening on YouTube, hit that notification bell. That way you get some content as I drop it. And I will catch you guys on the next episode. We out.